This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from The Cruel Prince, Queen of Nothing, and The Priory of the Orange Tree, with brief mentions of Akamath, Crescent City, and The Black Witch Chronicles. For a full list of brief spoiler-free mentions, please check out our show notes. everybody and welcome to a court of fandoms and exploration your weekly deep dive into the ya literature and fandoms that we love i'm laura marie and i'm jessica marie and today we have a very special episode for a very special guest please welcome to the pod our very special new friend this is samantha you might know samantha as literary libra on her socials Welcome, Samantha. We missed you since our last talk. Hi, my name is Samantha Ferrand, and I am the Literary Libra on Book Talk. Thank you for having me. And we are so excited to have you. We absolutely love you. Uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier that we have kind of done a Zoom before, and we just we just love you so much. Thank you for being here. Oh, the, the feeling is so mutual. I I was saying to the, I was saying to you guys before we started recording how like I got nervous, and it's because like I had seen you in a bit, and I remember so much. I remember how much I liked speaking to you the first time around that I, I think I got like excitedly nervous to speak again now. So thank you for having me. No, I'm so excited, and I mean, it took a while to get here too because it's like you know between holidays and being sick and traveling, and then you're doing like panels at like. Barnes and Noble now. How exciting. You're everyone's so busy and it's just so wonderful to see you thriving. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's kind of like the most surreal experience ever I've ever had, to be honest. And I was really, really I I felt very blessed to start a new year doing that. So do you can you go into like a little detail about that? Like how did you feel? Like like what was it like? Absolutely. Thank you for doing that, by the way, because like, I don't know why I'm, I'm like cutting myself. It's so funny. Before we start recording, I was like, and then we start recording and I just, <laughs> yes, I love being here. Um, so yeah, I'll talk about it. So basically like, basically what came about was um, Kevin, KT Norman on Book Talk. He reached out to me a couple months ago and told me that the event was happening. I obviously said yes immediately. Like I will 100% be there. And when I got there, it was a packed house. It was full. It was like, so, it's so weird, right? Everyone's wearing masks. Okay. But on book talk, especially like the nature, and I kept saying this at the event over and over again, like the nature of my channel is like, I get to really know the people who are commenting my videos in the weirdest way. So like, I was looking onto the audience and I was like, over the, these masks, I was like, I know you. I know you. I like can recognize you. Like, I don't know why I don't be weird, but there are people in the audience. I was like, why do I know your face from your profile picture? Um, and it was just so lovely getting to meet everyone in person and also really weird. I guess it's kind of the way I would feel if I met you guys in person. Like, I know you, I'm seeing you. I've, I've listened to your content, but then that's a different step of like being able to give you a hug. Um, seeing your mannerisms outside of the camera. It's so odd. Like, I brought my friend and like a significant other of mine there. And 
it was weird for them to see me in that kind of a atmosphere because they know I make book talk videos, but like, I don't have like millions of followers, you know? And so it was weird and surreal for them to see me, like have people come up to me and like take a photo with me. But the cool thing was, is that there are people coming up to me and taking photos of me, but I knew them. So like this one girl came <laughs> up to me and she was like, Samantha. And I was like, I'm so happy you came up to me <laughs> because I was staring at you the whole thing. And we started laughing and she was with her girlfriend and like the girlfriend was telling me like, Oh yeah, she's like, talk to me book all the time. And I was like, Oh my God, I talk about her all the time to my mom. And then she was asking about my cat. And I was like, my cat died. And this person I'd never met before looked so sad. and went, Paco. And, <laughs> and the friend bless her heart just starts laughing and laughing because we are essentially strangers And she knows so much about like the intricacy of my life. And like, she knew like what country I'm from and stuff like that. And so we're taking photos and just like, and this other girl comes up, this other girl, like, um, so I I looked at a couple of people in the audience and I was like, I know you. Um, And at the end of the session, it was very sweet. At the end of the session, there was like a Q and A portion, right? Like, okay, does anyone want to ask a question for any of the panelists? And this girl who I swear I'm not being a narcissist was looking at me and I was looking at her. I was like, I know you. It was a similar thing of like, I know you. And at the end of the the thing, she raises her hand, looks me dead in my eyes and (laughs) says like a mom on like a pageant was like, and is anyone on the panel currently working on anything? (laughs) And I was like, and she was like, to me and I was like oh and everyone on the panel goes oh well Sam was working I think Samantha Samantha aren't you writing something I was like yeah yeah it's gonna be cute uh yeah I'm working on a new book it's coming out it's called the poppy fields of Diagonamore and she starts clapping and everyone starts clapping in all this room people like granted I didn't recognize everyone there a lot of people were there for eight minutes no one like you know what I mean this is like one or two people that were there like to specifically go see me but this whole room filled with people were like oh my like being so rowdy in a Barnes and Noble and it was just really surreal and cool and I had a really great um I had a really great networking opportunity happen through that Our editor, Sam, just did some magic and um, our wonderful guest, Samantha, just shared something very special um, that we will never talk about ever publicly because, you know, all of that. But um, Samantha, you were you were talking about um, feelings that you were having while you were on the book talk panel and about how sometimes it is difficult for you to um, talk about successes and to express successes and um and and that is, that is a feeling that you struggle with. And I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that. Um, I am segueing us because I find that thread in the little bit of your story that you have released here. Um, specifically, really kind of in the end, but there was a quote here that really kind of spoke to me. And um, I hope you don't mind. Do you mind if I just kind of... I don't mind. No? I don't Um when you're a positive person, that is to say, when you make it a part of your identity to be positive, good things are meant to flow towards you, not away. And that that really kind of spoke to me because that is kind of something that you're like kind of told and kind of ingrained in you. But like, it's not sometimes it's not fair. And sometimes it's just not 
Ah, uh, and, and and also it kind of resonated with me in a slithering kind of way. Um, so <laughs> I I was wondering if you could maybe kind of tell us a little bit about about what is going on in your story because the emotions that um, are here seem to be very uh, relatable and real life. I first of all, that's the first time anyone's quoted me back to me. I said to you, I said to you guys before before we started talking. Um, Laura asked me, how do you pronounce Diagnomore? And I told her it was very surreal to have someone ask me, how do you pronounce Diagnomore? Um, and I feel the same way now. Um, basically, the thing is, we're wearing our Slytherin green. No offense. No, I'm in Crescent City gear, so it's all good. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So we're all in the vibes. So I think this is actually a perfect time to talk about this. So basically, to understand me a little bit better and just like to, to be a little honest and be a little vulnerable in this, you're, I'm a, I'm a person, especially when I was in college and I was in high school who, and this is all going to relate to the book. And this is what the book really is for me is like, so when I was in college, I did not sleep. I was on, I was so many positions in my cinematic fraternity. I had a boyfriend. I had a best friend. I would constantly go visit my grandfather because he had cancer. And so every weekend I would go see him. Like, every, like we would make pancakes together and throughout the week, I was making a web series. I was making my short film. I was applying to grad school. I was, I was going to the gym every single day. I was eating healthy. I was doing this. I was in the best shape of my life. I was, and I look at these pictures and I was voted at the end of the year as like my, my school did this thing where like the like faculty would come together and they would vote on who they thought was the most promising senior. And I transferred to my school in my second, my two, my two last years in college. And just, this is just to give you a perspective of like how much I did not sleep. I was voted most promising senior and they barely knew me like in comparison to all these other people to the point where in my graduation, my teachers were like, Oh yeah. Who'd you have for freshman year? I'm like, I wasn't here for that. And so that's just to like describe to you how balls the walls I was. And then I left and I went to LA and I got scratch. Like I started from scratch. I found out all these horrible things from like my ex and like the people I'd considered friends. And so I didn't have that anymore. My grandfather passed. I was living in a new city for the first time in my entire life. And like, I'm a very big family girl. So that was weird. And I just like, everything felt not harder, but different. And like the things that I liked about cinema, I was now in a place that people kept trying to like change that of me. Like, I'm very like, um, I really like Michelle Gondry and like, you know, like, um, Boz Lerman and my professors were like, well, we're Star Wars and we're, you know, um, Indiana Jones, like we're, and so it, it just was very weird for me. And so I started to feel like I was losing myself in the weirdest way. While also I love critiques that come from theater. And so I never viewed these criticism as, as like, um, as someone trying to put me down, I really viewed it as someone trying to make me better. So I kept saying yes and kept saying yes. And I was going to these writers groups and writers workshops every single month where I generate like 30 page scripts every single month. And I would take all this critique on my scripts. And sometimes they would be like, I love this. It's amazing. And sometimes it'd be like, Ooh, maybe back to the drawing board on this. And I loved it. And I loved it. And I loved it. But why was I so unhappy? And I started watching my own movies again in grad school. And I was like, I hate these. So it's so funny. Like my girlfriends will talk to me and they'll be like, Hey Sam, I haven't seen anything you've made before your thesis, my thesis. I love, which I'll get into, but, and I realized, and it's so weird for me to talk about it's because no one talks about the second puberty of being in your twenties 
and restarting your life and what that looks like. And it brought me back to this time. And I'll, this, this ties back into my book. And it also, and I'm a very introspective person and it's very hard for me to talk about my accolades. It's even harder for me to talk about my weaknesses. So pride is my folly as is the Slytherin gang. So I, and so I would just really like be introspective and think about my past and think like, okay, when was another time I fought like this? And so I went back into my high school years and in high school, I was an A plus, well, no, I was a B plus student. I was a B plus student, but I was in AP classes. So I was like the average of the above average. And that killed me because I was like, why? I know I am better. I know I can be better because I'm in these places, but why am I average? Why am I getting C's and B's and I'm bad at testing and I'm failing math? Like, why is this happening? And then I'm 17 and someone very close to my family died and he was 21 and it was right around the time that the SATs were going to happen. And one day to the next, I just stopped caring. I just stopped caring. And so I went through these phases in my life in which like overachiever, overachiever, but I'm just not cutting it to, well, what's the point of even trying to then going off to college and going, okay, I'm going to give myself a second chance. I'm going to, I'm better than an overachiever. I, my, I was dating a guy who like was valedictorian of his high school and he was copying off my tests and it, it was the weirdest experience for me like and then I go out into the big world and I'm back to the bottom again and or not bottom but like why am I below the average that I think I should be and then the pandemic happens and I have all these things happening to me but it was the weirdest thing ever because I kind of needed my life to blow up for me to be able to see it from the outside in and so when I wrote that scene for Veronica and the character of Veronica. Yes, I wrote her definitely. She was a Slytherin. I would most definitely say she is a Slytherin, but I wrote her as a heroine for what is it called when when someone was like academically inclined as a kid, but then they bur- gir- gifted, gifted burnout. Yeah. Gifted kid burnout. Yeah. Gifted kid burnout. So Veronica is the is like a heroine for the gifted kid burnout. So she is like she's 23, 24. And my book starts with, and this is how I've been selling it to people is like, what if you wanted something your whole life? What if everyone who was above you who could give it to you told you you are it. You are going to have it. Don't you worry a damn thing. You give up the people you love. You se- you you isolate yourself. You separate yourself from a romantic interest. And then it goes to your little sister. What do you do? You're underachieving, below average, nothing special sister. What do you do? And so my book, my my and obviously that's like the non-fantastical way of this. Like obviously it's a, it's not obviously Diagnomore is a fantasy book about druids and elemental magic and gods. And I, it also comes from like the stems from like my own religious background, like my own issues with like prayer and stuff like that. And, um, and like the things that are not answered, but Veronica especially is very much my self insert into this world of like, okay, well, what would I have done? I would have, I would have burned it down from the, from the outside in. I would have, been so vengeful in my anger and I would have burned down this whole city from the outside in if I had that power and 
Mr. Hooves in this moment. So the fun fact about Mr. Hooves, I'm just only saying this because you mentioned the excerpt that's currently out on Wattpad. Mm-hmm. The reason I, inv- I invented Mr. Hooves, I just like goats, first of all. Um, <laughs> but second of all was, so I first started writing Diagnomore when I was younger. Like when I was 13 or so, I like started this writing group in sixth grade, which was essentially just like, I didn't have a lot of friends. And so I... <laughs> I just wanted a place to write. And my, my teacher would see that I'd be done my tests early. And so I would just like sit there and write in a journal. And so she was like, well, why don't you like come to the, my classroom earlier on in the day and you could just write. And so we started a writing club, which is essentially like me in her office every hour, like an hour early before school every day. And I started writing what would become Diagnomore. And it first was about this 13 year old girl who was super lonely the chosen one trope, all of that. But that was just very uh, like below average. Like she wasn't special. There was nothing special about this girl. And I put it away. I put away the book because I was just getting heinously bullied for it when I was like in middle school, like, like lifetime level bullied. It was a whole thing. And I put it away and I deleted it in high school. I deleted 256 pages of this book in high school because I was just like, it's garbage. It's crap. I don't want to see this. And so then I'm now I'm 24. The pandemic is happening and I'm home and I'm in my childhood bedroom for the first time in God knows how many years I'm going through all my journals and I'm like DMing with a friend of mine and we're talking about like fantasy lore. And I was like, you know, if I could have one thing in this life, like I know I could never have it, but if I could have one thing, I would love to find the first chapter of this book. It didn't even have a title at the time. It just was like, whatever. None of the, like the only character whose name remains is Veronica's, which is funny. But um, I found the journal from when I was in the 12, when I was 12 years old in sixth grade, like literally dated <laughs> of the first three chapters of this book. And I started from there. One day I sat down. And so basically Mr. Hooves was originally supposed to be the imaginary friend of Rebecca Rose, Veronica's little sister. But then when I was rewriting the book, I realized two things. One, the more interesting character is Veronica. She is not a villain. She is the victim. And I think sometimes we think that adults can handle emotions and can handle things on their own. But how nice would it be if there was just like this, like imaginary figure who was on their shoulder, just like, hey, I got you. I'm with you. So I was like, well, why why doesn't an adult have an imaginary friend in this? Amazing. I'm like I'm I'm, I, I, I know, I'm like, like trying to like think and process because there's so there's so much to pull, you know. And I'm, even when reading the the chapter that's out on Wattpad, the first thing I said to Laura was, "It's going to make you think." Like you're yeah. already, which is like it, which no shame to like people. You know, there's sometimes you want like a palate cleanser, some fluff, like you need that break because some books are just so heavy or maybe we just take that they're heavy because, you know, you have these lived experiences because what you were writing at 13 and you're still taking this concept with additional lived experiences you've had in the last 10 years, there's a shift. And you, it's just like when you go back and you do a reread of something, you're like, oh, or a rewatch of something. The first time it's all great. The second time you're like, oh, that's, things have changed in the last couple years where it hits different. Yeah. Twilight being a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned obviously that you found, you found this journal, uh, and that 
you have you have like a, a like a date like a timestamp for it like that is that is absolutely fantastic uh, if i pivot here i will admit freely and openly to your face to your face um that i have gone through your tiktok i was a big fan of yours before uh, jessica was on tiktok before like any of this pod situation was like even like a pipe dream uh we were watching you so uh fa- fangirl moment but your first TikTok on your Literary Libra account is about Throne of Glass, which mm-hmm. is a situation where, you know, very teenage, you know, started out. And then obviously, you know, Sarah is where she is. Um, what has the TikTok social media um, experience been uh, from starting out to now where you are kind of giving uh your I'm, I'm i'm going to call us fans your fans um a kind of a peek into your writing process because there are a lot of tiktoks where you're talking about your writing and and your manuscript and stuff so you you started off with like books and then it's like books and then uh, i'm sorry there's a lot of questions in here and that is rude of me um i also just want to point out your your pivot from uh like fantasy to uh, um, like academic, right? Like dark academia when everybody else went to smut. So this is, these are all, <laughs> these are all the things. <laughs> Sorry, that this is rude of me. A lot of questions. I'm just very excited to talk. It's not rude at all. It actually is very helpful to have a prompt. So thank you so much. Um, so yeah, I actually love this question so much. So I'll, I'll talk first about like the, the pivot of like basically what my channel was and where it's become now. So when I was reading Throne of Glass, I think like the number one thing we can all agree on in terms of book talk is that the algorithm favors certain books. Um, one of which being Throne of Glass. And at first, when I was like first joining book talk, my I, I I'll be honest, I've never found um, the magic that I felt making videos like I felt when I was making Throne of Glass videos because Throne of Glass is not a fantasy story. Like it is, and it's not. And I'm trying to speak in a way that doesn't spoil it for anyone, but like you know, you look at Manon Blackpeak, and like yeah, she's a witch. She's also got a lot of problems with her grandmother, just not thinking she's good enough. And like the way that her family raised her and like the friendship that she has with the girls that she's friends with. And you look at the Vogue and like, what is the symbolism of the Vogue? The Vogue is like literally the hate, the hate that's stored inside of you is going to kill you. That's what the Vogue is. And that's what's so crazy to me. I was like, when I realized that, I was like, whoa, shut your mouth, Sarah J. Mass. What, what is this? And like the different ways that the Vogue can attack you. And just like, and the friends we meet along the way and like Lysandra's character arc and like how one single sentence, like, like the favorite line in the entire series in Queen of Shadows is Lysandra. She turns to Adian and she goes, that, that is what I want. And I think about that to this day. And like, basically I just haven't found anything. Those eight books long that like I connected with that other people were connecting with that gave me every bit of fantasy I needed, but also like really talked about like, like I, it's the first time I ever saw a character have multiple love interests mm-hmm. and like, not like, a, Oh, who will I choose? No, she like genuinely connects with every single one of the love interests invited into this world and just the way that it was it's beautiful and i still am trying to chase that magic and back to the algorithm so that's just like the it brought me joy 
to make that so deeply. And then it brought me joy to be friends with people through that. And like, it's so cool to me that like the people that commented on those videos are still the same people who comment on my videos to this day, because I feel like we connected on like a friendship level. Like I, I, I genuinely get excited when I see like your username pop up on my, Laura, like your Laura or Jessica's usernames like pop up on my, like my videos. It makes me so happy because I know my friend is like checking in with me today. If that makes any sense. And so I started reading like all the other popular book talk books because I was like trying to chase that same feeling. I was like, well, I don't want to lose my friends. Like all my friends are reading these popular books. I want to read a book that my friends are reading. Let's do this. But then the views went down because like not everyone's reading that book or everyone's like on their own wavelength of what to read. And I was like, well, this book isn't really bringing me that much joy if I can be honest. And like, I do like smut a lot, but I was raised super Catholic and like not super Catholic, but like Latina Catholic, you know, where, so like, it's a different kind of conservative. And so like, I need to be wooed. I need four books to meet the love interest I, for me to want them. I, I'm just like that. So like, I, when, whenever, when a book talk was going to spice and I went and pivoted to cruel prince, which doesn't have a lot of spice. We love the cruel friend. Yeah. We love it. We love it. We love it. Well, thoughts. Well, 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 continue, continue. Continue. We'll 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 get into that later. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. But please bookmark, please bookmark. So like I read the cool prince and I saw so many people dislike the cool prince and I was just like, but I loved it. I loved the yearning it's the same thing with six of crows i love the yearning like that's what i like and then i started connecting with jude Dwart, and i connected with kaz brecker and i was like oh my god these are people like me who like have a lot under the surface who like feel like they're not good enough who feel like there's potential unlocked there's potential that needs to be tapped into and and so i started discovering that world so i like kind of drifted from like fantasy academic rivals whatever to like more like okay academic rivals and like because that's a world I can connect with like I'm a very nice person like I'm a very like I'm so happy for you and all your accomplishments but I think like when you're when you if you were going to go like very deep into the surface about who I am like my inner child I think my inner child is still that person who just like wants to get an A on a test that they studied really hard for does that make any sense oh, yes I absolutely like, I think we live there sometimes when like certain things pop up into the algorithm about like whether you know whether it's your 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 love language or things that you like in the workplace being praised but not being praised because like how do you chase the same like a plus was a very um it was a tangible thing in a way growing mm, up. Yes. Right. And like, I I'll full disclosure, like th- a while ago, my therapist was like, okay, what happens when you graduate? And like, I was very formulaic and a plus B equals C you do this, you do this. I go, right, exactly. I do. And he goes, what happens when C isn't your outcome? And it was at a point in my life where I was doing a plus B and I wasn't, C wasn't equaling me. And it, it, again, like, it was not a great point in my life. And he goes, okay, now, then he'll say, you graduated, now what? You're doing this, now what? Like, you keep chasing this thing. Is that going to be what makes you happy? And it, like, it, you kind, your world kind of implodes mentally because that's all you've been chasing. And you still kind of chase, especially, like, in a professional capacity, you know, at least for me. Well, and like even going off of that really quick, like this, and this also still goes into like um, dark academia and stuff. The thing with school and like academics that people like, people always like, um, 
the thing that I connect with in terms of like betterment through education is not necessarily like the, well, I do well, I get an A because I never really got, I, I always had to like do very, very, I tend to work very hard to get an A, um, which I later found out it's because I have ADD. I got diagnosed when I was in my twenties. So that's fine. But I knew, <laughs> um, but what I, what people, what I like try to like um, cling on to is that when you're in academics, you finish a year, you graduate, you move on to the next step. And you just sort of like lifted up and brought to this next step. But when academics ends and you're in the real world, there is no next step. There's a million different doors and they're all closing. But what's weird is that like, this is like a factoid of me. When I was in, and this is like, you know, when people like talk to their grandparents and they're like, when I was your age. (laughs) Well, my, when I was your age is that, and I talk about this with my friend. Like, this is like the thing that me and her talk about whenever, because we have a production company. This is the thing we talk about amongst each other when we're ever we're low. We're like, well, what, 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 what are we going to say one day when we're invited back to the Oma Mater to like talk because we're successful? What are we going to say? And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say that there was once a point in my life where I sent out personalized cover letters and resumes in Manila, um, like, not Manila, like, um, like canvas looking envelopes and golden wax sealed hand signed to like an embarrassingly large number of directors, production companies, agents, and managers explaining why I wanted to work as an assistant for X, Y, and Z. Um, And no one ever called me back from it. I even like was cold calling agents to the point where like I became one-on-one names with like their assistants. They'd be like, Oh, hey Sam, what's up? Like what's going on? And I'd be like, Oh, you know, just like just calling in, just checking in. So how are you doing? Um, to the point where one of my friends from college who I haven't spoken to in years, she was the assistant to one of these managers. She's just like, I have an envelope from you. <laughs> I was just like oh. so embarrassed. And then I realized there's something embarrassing about it. It's the hustle of the of life. Mm-hmm. And And what's funny, and I didn't recognize it then, and I can recognize it now. And I think that's why I like reading about like um, these more darker toned characters who just want, 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 is that I didn't realize it then. And you know how there's like a thing where it's like, well, one door closes, another door opens. Well, I was stuck in the mentality of like, well, 90 doors have closed. Where is my opening? Well, guess what? Two years later, I went to a Barnes & Noble book talk event and there was my opening. Mm -hmm. And it's because I had to do a giant pivot. It's that whole, and it's, it's frustrating too, because then you have things where it's like, well, everything happens for a reason. And you, you, we're so used to also like instantaneous gratification. You'd be like, well, what's the reason? You know, like I, if you knew up front, like, you know, if it's going to take a couple years, fine. But like, can I at least know the end result? But then when you're in that end result for whatever you're going through, then when you backtrack those two years, you're like, holy shit, you connect things. You're like, and if this didn't happen, and if this didn't happen, like we would not be here. So it's frustrating in that, that limbo space when you're just like, but why? If, if I may, if I may, this is a perfect segue, actually, if I may pivot um, and go back to like Diagnomore really quick, because Diagnomore basically, so this is the thing that I think, um, well, when you said, um, Jessica, I keep looking at you, but I realize I have to like. No, we have all of our no, screens are different. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> um, but Jessica, when you said earlier, like, oh, this is going to make you think, that really that was really kind to me because um, I think the thing with Diagnomore that I can say to readers before they're going to read it is that this isn't necessarily your typical 
um, I had a very hard time categorizing this as like a fantasy book because a part of me really wanted to put it in the gothic literature like section because it's very atmospheric in the sense of like it's multiple POV, multiple different characters. And the one thing they all have in common is Diagonamore and what is going on at the current stasis at the beginning of this book. And so essentially at the beginning of this book, you meet this village of people called the village of Diagonamore that has never seen the outside world. In fact, there is no outside world. They are surrounded by acres and acres and acres and acres and acres of mountains and tree line. And as far as the eye can see, there is nothing except for them. And this is how they live their life. And this is what they believe their life to be. And they have lived in harmony there. That's why I pulled a lot from Druids because it's very like nature-based magic where it's like they live near this gorgeous poppy field that never dies no matter the weather. They have everything they could have ever needed. They live in like an Eden, essentially. They've never had to go outside of Diagonal because why would they? Why would they? If they needed game, there's plenty of game to hunt. If like It's very much they're living in a paradise. But when you enter this world, People are getting sick. There is no cure for their sickness. They cannot know where it's tracing from. They can't tell if it's airborne. They can't tell if it's um, like physical contact. Um, you meet the healer Seamus, um, who is probably one of my favorite characters to write, who he is like racking his mind, trying to figure out like how much to save my people. That's my only job. You meet Proctor, who is a school teacher, who is trying to like keep everything flowing and keep the normal day-to-day for children whose parents are dying and they can't tell them why you meet mary who is seamus's sister who once was like she is such a badass she was like the head of the village guard she was the best hunter in the game her she comes from a very long line of healers but that was not what she was inclined for she's not good in mathematics but she's good at in, in like science but she's good at being strong and brave and just being very clipped with her words but the love of her life died and her brother was the doctor and she can't look him in the eyes. And so what is the point of life? And she gets a drinking problem. And so what's the point? You meet a girl named Astrid who was um, basically there's like a, I'll, I'll get to her at the end. Actually, I'll go through the main cast. She's kind of a side character, but, and you meet Veronica who is a cleric who gave up her entire life because she came from not a great background. And she found community in this group of women, which basically are like the religious figures of Diagonal. They're very quiet. They're not, they're seen, not heard. They're the types of people who go to the um, infirmary when you're sick and they give you like, we call it the act of like the blessing of passing and things like that. It's obviously like, you can tell I was raised in the church. Um, And she is very connected to like, a higher being, a higher power. And all of this is connected to the, like their magic system, which is like, they believe in the four elements. So there's like a God connected to each of the elements. So God of fire, God of air, God of winter, God of water, God of earth. And there is a prophecy that is connected to their village that they, that they were raised to know that one day this would happen. One day this would happen, but one day there would be a chosen one selected among them who would basically, and then the rest of the book, and I'm realizing that's too much, but, um, but um, so everyone in this world is kind of dealing with like the, what's the point? What is the point? Which is something I always think about whenever I see like war movies or whenever I read about fantasy books, it's like the, like the earth is like crashing. And this is why I still bring back, brought up the earlier 
which is what that was me my segue for Mary. This is why I brought up earlier the feeling I had when I lost my friend at 17, who's he was 21. And I think about this all the time that like it's the weirdest feeling. It's so eerie. I think about this all the time where I wake up in the morning and I know this is like the weirdest thing to think about because it's almost 10 years ago, but I go, I'm older than he was. I am older today than he was. Because when I was younger, I thought to myself, what's the point? And now as an adult, I'm like, the point is I get the opportunity to do everything he couldn't. That's my point. And so everyone in my world, it's very much more of a character study on like, on, on humanity and friendship. And just like, I think it's a little Addie LaRue inspired too, of like the, what if you can't leave a mark kind of a vibe and more than it is a plot heavy book. There is plot and there is mystery, which is why I want to call it gothic literature, but you're reading it to learn about these characters and see how they would develop and see how they react to the things that are happening around them. And maybe think to yourself like, well, damn, if I was in those same circumstances, how would I have been? Would I have just like, you know, partied into the ends of days or would I have gone down swinging? So. Well, and that is actually a perfect segue if you want to talk about partying till the end of days or going down swinging and and very atmospheric. Uh, You want to talk about The Cruel Prince. Let's get into The Cruel Prince because that is exactly what (laughs) – all the things. Um, I love The Cruel Prince, and I will just throw this out there and we can jump off of it. Um, The way that fairy is described in The Cruel Prince is – like a beautiful, like vivid nightmare. And I love it. It is one of my favorite things besides, of course, like Jude and everything. Please. Okay. Well, may I just recommend if you like the cool prince, this is a shameless plug. I don't even know this person. Well, it's not a shameless plug. because it has nothing to do with me. It's a person that like doesn't even know I exist. But have you read House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland? I have not, but I know exactly what the cover looks like. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So basically the, the reason I brought it up now is because the way you described fairy is you would really vibe. Okay, so basically it's called House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. You've been posting a lot about like, t- you've yeah. been like, shit, like I just need somebody else to be reading this because I need to talk about it. I do. I know it. And like, it's so funny. This woman does not know I exist, but I like nonstop talk about this book. But back to, back to Cruel Prince. Um... I loved the political intrigue of this book, man. That's what pulls you in. Everybody talks about enemies to lovers, and I feel like that's just such a secondary plot. Like that's it's not exactly- what the book. What that's not what it is. That's not what the book is about. Wait, can we just real quick? I want to ask your opinion. What do you think? Okay, so I've never seen such a multi layered like like complex i've never seen such a complex character than maddox the father who like he he essentially it's the it's the first chapter if it's the first chapter yeah, is yeah, this, yeah. no it, yeah. It, basically basically he he was in love with jude's mom mm-hmm. in a fit of rage to get her back he slaughters both him and jude's father and essentially, like, steals away his three daughters, and they go to fairy, and he raises them as their own in, like, the lab of luxury. He takes them to all these events. He, like, teaches her how to sword fight. He, that's, that's his daughter. That is his daughter. And then as the story progresses, it's insanity. I just, I want to deep dive with Holly Black as to how she wrote that character so much, because I've never seen such a complex father i don't know well and then like 
we flash forward to the beginning part of Queen of Nothing and Jude, quote unquote, betrays him. And it's like, but I am my father's daughter. Like, even <gasps> though it's not like biological, <laughs> like, even though it's not biological, like, she is very much the person that he raised. Mm-hmm. Literally, my least favorite comment anyone could ever make ever is like, this isn't how I raised you. This is exactly, I'm looking at Laura right now. This is exactly <laughs> how you raised me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and oh. you don't like it and it's your fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just so wild because they like, he raised her to be strong. He raised her to like, what was it? Well, oh, frick, I don't remember like the, the monologue she says, but like he raised her how to survive in fairy. And then when she was strong, he wanted her to all of a sudden be submissive and weak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's when she recognized when I think it's in the second the second book. Why can't I think of the title right now? The Wicked King, when she has a meeting with him because she's the consort essentially. She uh well not the consort, what's what's her official position before? Oh she's uh, like the hand. Yeah, yeah, she's she's not a steward, but she's no. the session set the, the the sessional set sessional. Sentinel. Sentinel. Sen- yes. Sentinel, yes. Where she has a meeting with Maddox in his office and she's already living with Cardin at this point. She sees her piece on his strategic like chess board of, you know, politics, and she's like, Holy shit, I'm a key player to like Yes. Like she, in a way, like as much as she had to separate herself from him, it was also that moment of he sees, he sees value in me. So it's like that weird dynamic of like, I don't want this praise, but I'm still being seen. And what a sense of pride that he can, he considers me a contender. Yeah. And also uh, one of my favorite things about him is he does not pull his punches when he is fighting Jude. He, he stabs her. Like he goes for the kill. And, and, uh, part of the, 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 the like internal monologue that he has there is like he, he's like a soldier. He can't, he doesn't know how to pull punches here. That is like his instinct. And it it was just really interesting. You bring up such fantastic point because nobody talks about him, right? Like, it's all Jude and Cardin and and their whole situation, but the the politics and story there is something that really isn't talked about. Um, Jess, you and I have privately talked about a book series that we think that Samantha would enjoy because it is dark academia and it has dragons. Not Priory, no. Although we think you'd love Priory if you have. I know it's just so big and I'm scared. It is intimidating. That <laughs> I, Laura, like told me like pace yourself <laughs> and don't. And I didn't pace myself, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. Um, um, are you talking about the Infernal Devices? No, I'm talking about the Black Witch. Oh yes, dragons and witches and fantasy and and it's politics there's huge politics it's one of those things where it's completely relatable to our society today that if you don't take if you don't feel forest yes yes okay okay. continue 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 okay if you're not ready to rise up you're not ready to fight for the cause and it's it's absolutely what happens every day that you see directions certain countries may have gone in the past are there currently and right now there's a fourth the fourth book the fifth official book is coming out there's like three books and a novella yeah um the fifth book comes out in march but you can't put it down but the times that you are putting it down it's 
because you're thinking. You're like, this is this is heavy context that I wasn't expecting from a YA book. And it's YA with, like, I don't want to say adult themes because it's life themes. So, it, like, it doesn't just it doesn't just impact a certain demographic. That's why. Well, can we talk about like because I don't really fully understand. So I understand how like GPG are like that happens. What I don't understand is how something gets categorized into YA versus A because like the number one thing I hear about when people say YA is like, like you're talking about this book, The Black Witch, which I'm already writing down. I I will take this as like the biggest (laughs) recommendation. Don't you worry. But you're talking about it being like life themes. You're talking about it being something that people can grab onto and that is bigger than just like a chill why isn't for children but you know what i mean and then i think about i think about cruel prince and i think about um six of crows and these strike me i haven't read the black witch yet but i respect your opinion so much these strike me as books that are like this middle tier between ya and an adult because six of crows deals with like slavery and like um identity theft and like what happens if, like what happens if someone steals everything you own and then like betraying your own family, but like in an almost innocent manner and like being drug addiction, drug addiction, the Nazis and like Grisha, like, and it's just so much going on all at once. And then like, also like your family pride and like living up to like your father's legacy. Like once, once that person's gone, what are you going to do? Like, I'm, I'm trying to like not give, but anyways, all these things are happening and yet it's a YA. Mm-hmm. Cassie Claire, Shadowhunters. Um, she does a really good job of taking, and, and this is like kind of what I think of with YA is taking a really horrific subject and taking away all of the things that, that like um i'm going to say like glorify it or make it like like mm-hmm. like fetish any of that take away any of that and kind of just not even bare bones it but just like 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 a fact you know like and then this happened and this happened yeah. and then kind of put it into the story and like move on instead of making it this huge thing uh, i think that is something that is really beautiful in ya and that it allows um, a younger audience to explore kind of these things. But going back to what you're saying, um, is it just the ages of the characters? That's what I thought at first. Cause like when I was writing Diagnomore, I, I started looking at my own like um, world and I thought to myself, I was like, well, just, you know, I, I hate to, well, I feel like if you know me as a book talker, then I think you can kind of assume Diagnomore isn't that spicy. It's not going to be spicy. Like it's, there's like a, I'm a big, I'm a connection, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I, I like the longing look. And so when I looked at my book, I was like, is this technically like, could you consider this YA? I mean, all my characters are in their twenties and like only one of them is a teenager and it does cover like, they're like, it is very like I'm everyone comes from backgrounds that like are not happy, I'd say. Um, but I thought to myself, I was like, would this technically be YA if that's the case? Um, because I don't fully, I just don't fully comprehend. Cause like, I still see sexy scenes in what empire of storms, you know, the beach is well, Akamath was in YA. You still find it in, depending on like what Barnes and Noble is like, like you find them in YA and it was only until like silver silver flames came out that that's when I slowly started seeing 
prior to Silver Flames, like leading up until release date, that's when I saw the shift from we're just going to move these over here into regular fantasy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Crescent City is already an adult. It's like right oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Even though, and like, I, I would say like it's, it like borders on conversations up, but there's only like one scene in Christmas. And City it's not like, even like it's not even. Yeah. nobody is really satisfied there. I mean, yeah. Bryce a little. <laughs> it just it's just a little bit of play, and so I was kind of like, well, I don't understand the the ranking system. I don't really understand. And then I realized I, maybe it's not because it's not um, it's not a censorship title. It's um a marketing title. Like, like maybe this book would be better for people between the ages of 14 up. Like, type well, of I think that's how I think Sarah has spoken about this on her like Instagram lives and stuff is that's how it was easier for her to get the publisher to pick up the book because she couldn't she they said like she needed to market it as a YA for them to kind of take it because Bloom for for Throne of Glass and for Akatar. Okay. Yeah, like I think because Bloomsbury is no like it's under I know they share a publishing house with Macmillan, but Bloomsbury is like a smaller imprint from one of the and the imprint itself is like a YA focus. Hmm. Oh, okay, cool. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. That's really interesting. I only learned about the Macmillan pu- publishing house off like somebody from Bloomsbury was doing a TikTok live the other day and I was like I don't have a meeting right now. I'll just listen to this while I work. Um, so I, I have a question since we're since we're going off of uh, we were we we're talking about the cool prints and things that we love. Um, and Jess and I really love the Black Witch Chronicles that we have recommended to you. Um, Jess and I have said that we would like to see the cruel prints in uh, in what on like a film ad- like an film, adaptation yeah. book to to film but i don't want to say film as like a three-part movie but you can see like like a limited series a mini series of some story something something so you are the professional here so you love the cruel prince is this something that you would like to see like you know made into something and jumping off of that um are you excited for any adaptations coming out Yes and yes. So, like, The Cruel Prince is something that I was reading it that, well, no, I, I, I had a thought to talk about a different book, but I was like, but if I told you about that other book, I would be ruining the ending of that book, and that's not fair, so I'm not going to do that. But um, The Cruel Prince, when I read it, I was like, oh, this could so easily be like a Game of Thrones, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to see it. This is no shade to the C. Okay, so the CW would probably pick it up, but I, I would want to see it. Thank you. Okay, you said it. <laughs> I would want to see it on Hulu. I'd want oh. to see it streaming on Hulu because the Hulu did the great. And they have the budget right now. And they're the ones that are going to do Akatar. Mm-hmm. So Hulu is currently the owners of Akatar, which I'm excited for Akatar because they brought in. So you know that Sarah is the co-creator of the show, but they brought in the showrunner from Outlander. I did. Yeah, I knew that. That's awesome. Exactly. And I was like, okay, so this is someone I can trust. Like, this is someone I know is going to do like a long-term um, television series and like knows their audience. Because I feel like Outlander is going to get absorbed. The Outlander audience is going to get absorbed yeah, yeah. in the audience. But, so I'd love to see it on Hulu. I feel like they have the money for it. I wouldn't want to see it on Netflix, personally. Um, but I do think it would be a great um, TV show. Why? Okay, so th- this is why I think it's be a better TV show. I think it would leave people wanting too much for a movie. And I don't think people would have like the desire to wait 
a year mm-hmm. for the new installment in terms of that. And I would love to see the them develop the other characters more into like, like I want to see Maddox's room and see like more of that going on. I would love to see like, I would love to really see, um, although I don't really like her very much. What are the sister's name? Taryn and Vivian. And Vivian. Taryn. I want to see Taryn and Vivian. I want to see Vivian's life in the human world because I felt like in the book, it was such a good, like, whenever people came back into the plot, because it's very in Jude's perspective, whenever people came back into the plot, it didn't feel like they were just, like, on layaway. It felt like they had stuff going on and came back and were, like, interesting. So I, I feel like we were in a good place of, like, opening up this world. And I feel like there was enough to pull from that I would be interesting to see like a 30 minute to a 45 minute episode on. But what do you think? Ooh, I don't know. Jess, Jess, you go. I was thinking if they can make like shadow and bone, they could eat like Netflix can easily do um, the cruel prince. I forgot about shadow and bone. Yes. But like if they can do shadow and bone and not necessarily like what was the winks one? I didn't get to it, but like that was based off of a book too. That's just off an anime show. Oh, okay. So I feel like the cruel prince is going to be something that sucks people like not necessarily a reader, but a general public people will get sucked in if they make it binge worthy, which Hulu has that capacity, but they've learned you know, just like with um, The Handmaid's Tale, the first two seasons, they made it available all at once. And then they got smart with it and they started doing it episodically. So I feel like The Cruel Prince could benefit from the binge-worthy content yes. with that Netflix can provide. Um, yeah. Because that's just like, that's their system structure, however you want to call it. Um I don't think because and like that for me, like when I think of Outlander, I can't keep up every week. I wait till it drops on Netflix and then I can just binge it because there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot you can do with it. And at the same time to what you said on the background characters or like the side characters, it's we don't know a lot. We only know what we know. So even if from like a script standpoint, you can write different parts of the characters and it won't feel like it takes away because we don't know anything. Mm-hmm. 1,000%. And I'm so happy you brought up Shadow and Bone and I'm so happy you brought up Netflix. And, and also the binge thing, because I don't know if you guys felt this way because I felt this way when I when I read Cool Prince. It, I'm not typically a person who can read a book in a day. Like I just can't do that. Um, like I myself, I, I wish I was. But Cool Prince, I did. I read Cool Prince in a weekend. And it's because, at least for me, I felt like that book, series was written on one big word document and she was like okay here we're gonna cut Mm -hmm. because it flows it flows perfectly so you're right it needs to be binged it needs to be binged (laughs) it would be illegal it would be a crime not to (laughs) i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't move off the couch or my bed i would just just play and just watch it through And and it's another and it's also like from a book standpoint i liked the first book i liked the second book Laura's read this a few times and then because I needed something after I was like in a really bad Akatar hangover and Laura goes and then I tried to go back to romance because that's kind of my MO and it just wasn't working for me. I was like, I need something more. And she goes, read the Cruel Prince series. I go, okay, You're a good I did friend. that. She, she's amazing. <laughs> I try, all, I try. My best, all my favorite books are because of her. <laughs> um, and I got to the queen of nothing I was like, 
Jude is a badass. She had like I was like in. Then we did a reread, and it's so much enjoyable when you like if you ever reread books because you're not in suspense. You know what's happening, and the whole time you're just che- you're cheering Jude on. Like yeah, you're happy for Cardin, but then like there's a there's the novella of how the King of Alfheim learned to hate stories. So we I won't spoil anything, but there's just you learn more about Cardin and. It's the, that deeper, the deeper topics that you don't realize, you know, everybody's focused on the romance. You don't realize, like, this poor boy needs a therapist so bad, <laughs> you know, and you understand. So it's hard to, like, not like him because it's, you know, it's just like when people learn about the villain or, like, the really the, not necessarily the villain, but, like, the morally gray character. When you see that it's so much deeper how how can you be mad at somebody or upset or frustrated? I have the softest part in my heart. I hate it. I hate this off me. I do. But I am putty. I am putty in the hands of surly, skinny, I hate everyone, boys who just need a hug. I, I don't know if you've read, like, like, Cass Brecker, is this for me? And, like, oh, well, he wouldn't take my hug. But, like, and I wouldn't offer it. Yeah, he... respect. But I don't know if you read, like, All of Us Villains. No, not yet. I highly recommend. And there's a character in there that, like, is Cass, but he would take my hug. He Aww. would take it. He needed it. He really does. And so, like, I, I love Cardin. I don't know. It's just one of those things of, like, and this is kind of, like, a segue back to, like, um, smut talk in general. I feel like, um, and, like, viewers, viewership in general, I feel like I, I can't blame the book talkers for always being, like, the romance is great and Cruel Prince, like, oh my god, it's 10 out of 10 Emmy's lovers, because it is, if you've read it, like, you, you do love it. But, it is fade to black. It is all these things. That's not what the book is about. It's a cute little cherry on top of a great Sunday. But I understand why people would sell it like that. Because if you love the series and you really want people to watch it, unfortunately, people typically on TikTok will like only really stick around your book if there's like spice or if there's like, you know, enemies to lovers or if it's like this, this, and that, which is great to know from like um, a sales standpoint. It's like, okay, these are the things that people like, but but don't tell me something spicy or don't tell me something that is, yeah. you know, like enemies to lovers when that's when you're making it sound like that's the plot when that's which, which again, like if I want an enemies to lovers, I'll read an enemies to lovers. But don't yeah. define the plot as one thing when it's not the focus, I guess. Yeah. What, what's funny is I read Cruel Prince. I didn't read it because of all these videos that were like great enemies to lovers. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't read it. I just didn't feel like picking it up. What's me is there was one book talker whose username is escaping me, but she was like, stop saying that the cool prince is enemies to lovers. It is about political intrigue. <laughs> and that's what sold me. I was like, damn, I'm in. I'll read I, remember, it. I know which, I don't know who it is, but I know yeah, which yeah, I know one. Exactly yeah, I what you're know talking, which yeah. TikTok it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like such a cool experience to share. I don't know. Book talk is amazing, man. Like it's just wild, but yeah. So uh, if you're talking about BookTok, if you're um, as a a content creator, because you are, you're a content creator on BookTok, how do you kind of navigate uh, putting new content out there and kind of um, do, do you do you have people that don't like you i can't imagine these people exist but like uh like ne- like negative like all all of that stuff how do you how do you manage that as a well-known uh personality 
That is very kind of you to ask. Also, it's very kind of you to assume that. Um, so I like, for, thank you. Um, so basically, this was actually a question on the panel that someone asked, and I didn't feel comfortable answering. I was the only one on the panel that didn't answer, and it's, and I kind of just didn't care, like how that might have been perceived. Like I, if, if people were like, oh, I guess she doesn't get hate, I think like that because I've only ever received hate me twice, and one was when I first started out. This girl just like. I felt bad. I like genuinely felt bad for this person because she was clearly younger than me and she spent like, are you, are you Taylor Swift fans? Yes. Okay. So you know that sign, sign of like, um, you need to come that song. You need to calm down where she's like, mm-hmm. um, look at that sign. Must have taken all night. Like that line. She went up and down my page and commented on every single one of my videos like every single one of them there was like over 40 videos it's back when i was doing throwing the glass and just commented a nasty thing on every single one but what was funny is that it was directly relating to something i had said in the video so she had watched my video in its completion and then said something nasty and then someone said like you're my favorite book talker and i made a video like saying thank you and she went no you're not and i was like i went on checked out this girl's page and i was like damn like that was wild and then and it affected me and then i went wait this person just put so much of their time mm-hmm. into doing this. I'm going to ignore it. And then I stopped doing unboxing videos um, because like, you know how people like will send books to people and stuff like that. I stopped doing that for a while. Cause like I was in the middle of my, my, I was in my PhD. <laughs> That's wild. No, I was in the middle of my thesis film and it was like a month after that had happened. So I was already feeling really weird about like the content I was putting out. I was like, Ooh, I don't, I just feel like, Ooh, I feel naked out of nowhere. I feel so naked for no reason. Um, and so I hit this plateau in followership, like in terms of gaining followers, where I was at this like number, it's like very solid, the solid number. And the reason I bring this, bring this up isn't because like I wanted more, I wanted and less or anything is what I realized the comfort I took was that Samantha, you're at this solid number. You can, you're everyone that comments on your videos are the same people who comment on all your videos. So like, these are your friends and like people, in my book club started messaging me. Like a couple people were messaging me like on DM being like, Hey, where are you been? Like, we're just checking in. Like, I worry about you. Like, do you just haven't been posting in a while? Like, I just want to make sure everything's okay. Like, it's totally okay if you're not posting, but just like, I just wanted you to know that like people care. And a couple people were doing that. I was like, oh my God, that's so nice. And so I started like opening up and just, I didn't tell them what happened, but I was like, I just took a little break and it really means a lot to me, blah, blah, blah. And I started getting close with like certain usernames that were like always on my videos. And I realized I was like, well, F this, I'm just gonna, because someone messaged me and she was like, you know, you could post anything you wanted and we'd still watch it. We just want to see what's up with your life. And so I was like, I'm just going to do that then. So I'm going to, so I went back to, and I did the six of pros read along, which was so much fun. And then like, I just started just reading whatever I wanted over the summer and I was doing my lives again. And I was, I was just so happy. And I realized I'm so, I, I became very safe in this number and it became very safe in like these views on my videos that like were never, like I was never getting viral views you know, like, like, like I hit a million on a view. Like I think like one video of mine maybe hit like 150,000. And I was like, Whoa, that was like, Holy hell. And like, I'm so grateful for that. But I feel like I got very comfortable and very safe in this number. And so when I flash forward to a new year, 
when I ran into it, I think you could see that in my own content too. Like I, I kind of like am more open of like, Hey, I just finished this thesis. Hey, I'm having a bad day. Like, Hey, let's get ready together. Like I'm kind of like feeling kind of shitty or like, oh, I'm going to go see my family. Like here's my mom. I'm dating someone. I'm going on a date. Like, you know, like I just wrote this thing in Dragnamore. Here are my characters. And like, and flash forward to the book talk panel, when everyone was talking about their platforms and like, what do they do? Blah, blah, blah. A lot of people do like audio based videos. And talking about like, oh, well, you know, I go on like the for you page and I look at what's tr- like trending and then I make a video based on like that sound that will work for my community, like my content. Oh, there's like, so there's like an actual, st- obviously we there's weren't a strategy. in LA. Yeah, who knew? That, so we didn't go, <laughs> so we didn't hear this. They're like, I acted to like, and that has to be a lot of pressure as a creator because I feel like maybe, and, and I guess I can't say this because it's not book talk because it was a book talk panel. I'm thinking reactions like we're so used to seeing reaction videos and that's kind of how we've like i personally got into actually i think laura just started sending me things so it started (laughs) coming up onto my fyp because i wasn't on book talk um to like to strategize how am i going to relate this fyp popular trending sound to what i like how i create and curate my content well, if you notice, if you notice like the biggest book talkers, like the big, big ones, um, that's major. that's the bulk of their videos is like recommendations and then like sounds like audios that like play with like their, their, um, community. So like for Pauline, it'd be like romance, right. Or like with Eamon, it's funny, stuff like that. Um, I like was the, I, I went up there and I was like, oh, well I do reaction based videos, which my viewership on those videos varies. Cause like, so the algorithm works in such a manner like this, right? So you get a video. Let's say I haven't read that book yet. And I'm reacting to that book. And I'm putting like spoiler warning at the very beginning. You're automatically gonna go, oh no, like no, mm-hmm. I'm I can't, like I don't want to get spoiled. Or you'll be like, oh I'm interested. Or you're like not interested. And so when I was doing Aragon reactions, I think and it is also based off of like the people that are already a part of your community. So like if if people are following me and the things that were like and think out in the sense of like the big 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 TikTokers too, where it's like, if they, if you follow them for a specific reason, let's say like it's for alpha videos, but then they start doing like chatty, like cooking videos. Maybe that's just not what you want to watch. Like that's not what you're interested for them. So you'll, those videos will just automatically get lower viewership because they go first to your audience and then to the greater TikTok pool. And so like, I had this weird thing where I would do reaction videos, but if you weren't, if you weren't really following that book, then maybe you're not going to watch that video. Or I had this thing where I was like starting to get nervous because I was like, damn, I don't want to like pick a series and then hate it, me, myself. And then it's like work and I don't want to read this. And then my reactions are going to suck, which happened with Aragon where there was nothing wrong with Aragon. I just, it's not for me. And which is so funny because it's dragons. It's dragons. Yeah. but, But it just was a little bit too world dumping. So maybe I'll read one a year. I don't know. So Basically, that's where I'm at right now is that like I'm reading If We Were Villains and the whole time I wanted to read this, I was reading this, I wanted to shoot a reaction video to it and post about it. But when I did that for the Atlas 6, I got like maybe 300 views, 100 views on a video and that like kind of killed me a little bit. So I was like, so no one wants to see this. Um, I'm just not going to do it. And that's why I haven't done reactions for a while. And so that's kind of where I'm at is like, and also I'm writing all the time. So that's kind of where I'm at in my, in my work is that like, I, I do like alpha videos and where I'm talking to like the people who I know. And it's so funny because I get to like 
have these like moments of opening up with people like care about who know me and I know them and we get to talk in the comments. Um, and then I will talk about like Diagna more. And then if I read a really amazing book, I will talk about it, but I really, I miss reaction videos so deeply in making them. And I have been having this inner talk with myself when I've talked about this with other book talkers and I would love to talk about this with you where it's like, well, does viewership matter as long as you're making something that you like, like, does it matter? I feel like when you get caught up with the numbers part of it, and I'm speaking for myself, like I had one video that like went to over a thousand the other day. I barely break like a hundred. So like when it, when I break a hundred, I'm like, whoa, it's a good day. And then there was a video that I posted on TikTok and it broke a thousand. And I was like, this shouldn't feel so reaffirming. Like nothing makes sense. And I, so we actively like Laura and ourselves, like we try not to look at our numbers for the podcast so often or try not to, because we shouldn't, it's easier said than done. Right. Especially when you create content. Um, And then, then the, the logical practical side of me, it's like when you are seeing these PR boxes and you're so happy for your friends because they should be getting those things. I don't think people are looking at, like, the companies are looking at viewership. They're looking at followers because, like, there's always the people who, you know, for the longest time, I hadn't read Throne of Glass. So, Laura, so anytime you were making content for Throne of Glass, I knew I had to, like, bookmark it and go back to it later because I did not want to be spoiled. So then you have a lot of people doing that. They're like, when you're done with the series or if we have a friend who's also um she just finished empire of storms like last week so she's like you know and then i'll send her you know we sent her a tiktok and she goes i thought i I thought it was over i thought i had moved past the sad feelings um because because you don't as we know and um and then i think it's like you know, you have the waves, you know, you have people who are reading through it again, and then they're looking back into content and you have like, oh, have you, do you follow Samantha on TikTok? She has all this great content. You might have to scroll back a little bit, but just, she did a whole reaction, you know, and it's so, it's that burst of energy when you're like, oh my gosh, somebody's, somebody's, you know, somebody else is in the world that you love so much. Which is like, honestly, it's the coolest thing ever. I had someone once email me about the Cruel Prince. They were like, they straight up emailed me. They were like, (laughs) I need someone to talk to you about this. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. What's up? And so we just like, I read this like long email with like bullet points of like all these different chapters. And then I responded to everyone. And I was like, oh, what about this? What about that? What about this? And I just thought it was so cool. It was like, um, it's friendship. It's friendship in the most pure form. And it like, it's so funny because like, I... Something happened earlier on in this conversation that I said this, and then and I'll express this to you. Where oh, Euphoria, where I was like, no one I know like watches Euphoria, where I have roommates and they're lovely and they're beautiful, but not a lot of my roommates read. And then the one roommate who does, like, like she, like she's kind of on, the, she's on the Winter Promise quartet right ah. now, mm-hmm. and I want to read it, but I haven't. So we're both looking at each other like. <laughs> Why aren't we each other's friends right now? <laughs> like, please. But yeah. Coming from, you have a writer, author background, and as a filmmaker, do you find yourself looking at the content that you're writing, like with Diagna Moore? Are you also, is it also like, everybody's different, but are you also looking at it as like a script and film capacity also? 100% yes. Because obviously when you're writing a script, it's a very different format and structure than if you're just, you know, we're dumping all your thoughts first so you can get like the the ones that you definitely want on paper kind of thing 
Like, how is that process for you? Well, what's funny is that someone asked me once, they were like, well, what's easier is like writing a script or writing a, writing a book. And I said, writing a script, because once you know, like the structure of what a script should look like in like the act one, act two, act three, it's formulaic. It's really formulaic. And like, it's my family finds me really annoying to go see movies with because I like, I, I love movies. I get really lost in the movie, but I'll be like, oh, it's the act one turning point. Like, okay. Ooh, we're in the midpoint. Ooh, something's going to have all is lost. <laughs> like, um, and, um, but a book is taste, touch, um, it's every sense except it's you have to write it and you have to make sure it's pretty in the way that you write it. And you have to, and like, but also like not gratuitous and like you have to make sure you're keeping someone's attention with print on paper, not with a hot actor and like action sequences, you know, like, um, and so when I was writing Diagnomore, I also have this on a vision board, which like I do vision board. It's the background on my computer. Um, but I have this on a vision board where I, I do envision Diagnomore as like a mini series, like an HBO mini series, like, um, like a six part, four part, um, TV like season, because I'm still on the fence of whether or not I think it's going to be a standalone. I think it, uh, or, or have a duology or something like that, or be something that comes up later on. I don't know, but I do, I do when I'm reading it, when I'm writing this book, I do read it as a script and a part of me has wanted to like pause. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this the next round of edits. Actually, a part of me has wanted to pause and just for like the fun of it, just write it in script format. Like what would each episode look like? So yes, I do. Because with, because what you were saying, like you have with writing like traditional book, it's all of the senses and it's words and everything that you want to put in words for a script and for a visual, you don't need the words. It's just like walks into a room. It's just walks into a room, closes yeah. the door. Like it's just very actionable items as yeah. opposed to painting the actual picture. Have you ever read a script before? Have you ever looked at a script? Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, when you're on a film set, like every single person, like this is like the number one thing my professors had to like break into, into me and like my, like um, other colleagues was when you're on a film set, the DP is going to come up to you, the assistant, the 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 AD is going to come up to you, the the production designer is going to come come up to you and be like, no, but see here it says, looks at her longingly. So where is the coverage for that? What are we doing for that? Like, and, and so you can't sit there and go, oh no, I just put that in there. It's like you know, no, it's it's in there. It uh, you have to. It's part of the script. You have to yeah. act it out. I mean, and it's like yeah. it's different from like I don't know if you've ever watched Supernatural, but like it was on for fifteen years, and by that time, the like the actors themselves had said by their fifteenth season, obviously before that, their scripts would just say, "Do something Dean would do here. Do something like they yeah, just, just like action creative freedom with their characters. Wow. It was like do something that your character would do. Like they was just." say something it was just so like hey here you go supernatural is a show i really want to watch i just have such commitment issues so like <laughs> it's it's one that i feel years. like you can go in like once yeah. you have the first and second season established you can kind of go in and out of it mm-hmm. um, because it's because when you think about it when you say 15 seasons you're like okay the show's been around but then when you translate seasons to years it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and I haven't even finished the whole season. Like I'm in denial that the show is completely terminated. Oh, so done? I just yeah, yeah it's, it's done. done. It's been but it's done. had a good run. It's got a right, good run. right, right. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. I'll get into it and then we can gab about it because I, I really do want to watch this. So, <laughs> um, I, I would like to circle back because, um, earlier in the conversation, Samantha, you were talking about your thesis and about how you like your thesis and how it was, it was, it was this, like, it was a very important thing for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what, what was that? Hi, everybody. Laura Marie here. That is where we are going to cut. So make sure to check out part two of Samantha's episode. I believe that will be airing April 4th. Make sure to check out everybody's socials for that. We will have that when it comes out. So I'm going to try the end credits. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Make sure you check out our socials on Instagram. It is Acafe Podcast. Jessica Marie's TikTok is Akafe Jessica, and mine, Laura Marie, is Akafe Laura on TikTok. Check us out there. And please, if you love this episode, if you like us at all, uh, if you want, please leave us a five-star review wherever podcast reviews are accepted. That would be totally rad. And a big thank you, thank you, thank you to our very special guest, Samantha. Thank you for joining us for sharing everything that you shared absolutely wonderful make sure you follow her on her socials on instagram and tiktok we will have those listed in the show notes and we will see you next week thanks for listening bye